Hey there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are discussing VHS from 2012. Directed by Adam Wingard, David Bruckner, Ty West, Glenn McQuaid, Joe Swanberg, Chad Vieja, Justin Martinez, B- Matt Bettinelli Open, and Tyler Gallette. Written by Brad Miska, Simon Barrett, Nicholas Tokoski, and pretty much all the directors I just mentioned. Uh, starring many actors that I won't name them all here. This is an anthology, if you don't know that already, which is why there are so many directors, writers, and actors. And in this film, a group of delinquents break into a house on a mission to retrieve a VHS tape and discover disturbing footage on some of the tapes that they find in the house. If you're new to the show, we're going to discuss this movie spoiler-free for the first 15 or 20 minutes, just background info and stuff. But then after that, we're going to transition into spoiler mode and play some music so you know that's when spoiler mode is happening and you can go watch this movie on Prime and I think it might be streaming one or two other places. So once you hear that transition music, it's time to duck out and watch the film because we're going to spoil it. And this has been requested by ES Right Arms, I think Old Boy and Big Turkey. If not, if they didn't request it, they at least said, hey, good idea to cover this one soon. And so here we are. And th- there's like a movie every year from these for the past three years. So it's about time we get around to covering the first one. Yeah. Didn't one like just come out a few days ago? Yeah. Very recently, I feel like. Right. VHS yeah. 85. Yeah. It's crazy. I feel like every time you turn around, there's this one popping up. Yeah. Yeah. There has been one. I'll just go right into the franchise. It starts in 2012 with this one. Then VHS 2 is the next year in 2013. VHS Viral is the very next year in 2014. Then there's a seven-year lull, but then VHS 94 came in 2021, VHS 99 in 2022, and VHS 85 this year. Interesting that there was like a seven-year break. That's and they're all they're in a row, like three in a row, three years in a row, huh. seven-year break, then three more, three years in a row. Interesting. Do you think they're going to take another break after this one? For, for seven years. Yeah, we'll see them in like 2030. <laughs> All right, guys, let, that's a wrap. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I wouldn't be surprised if they just keep cranking them out. Right, same. I mean, it, it's a good package for horror shorts. I really like horror shorts, but I don't ever wear them because people would make fun <laughs> of me. No, because I just don't go seek them out on YouTube. And I think putting them in a packaged anthology and one with a recognizable title is just a great way to get some great shorts out there. It really is. Yeah. For the market <laughs> for shorts, this is a great way. I think the, the other thing that's very ne- unique about what VHS does, it's all found footage, right? Like I, I don't know any other anthologies that like stick to that uh, unifying concept across the, the, the stories. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even mention that, but yeah, this is a found footage film and they all are. So Yeah. That's a really Very cool aspect of it. Yeah. And there are two spin-off movies. Oh, right. Yep. There's Siren from 2016, which is a feature-length adaptation of a segment from this movie called Amateur Night. And then this year there's Kids vs. Aliens, which is a spin-off of a VHS2 segment. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's really neat. It, yeah, it's so it's I, I mean, in 2012 like these directors uh, and like who they are today, I feel like they've gone on they've all like gone on to do like some amazing work and become like some of the most influential horror directors, right? 
Yeah, it's pretty wild. So um, let's see. I guess, I mean, Ty West, of course, has been in the mix lately with X and Pearl and Maxine coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Bruckner, now best known for The Night House, The Hellraiser remake, and The Ritual. And then there's the Radio Silence guys, Matt Bettinelli, Open, and Tyler Gillette, who co-directed Scream 5 and Scream 6. And, right. you know, ready or not, they were in the mix on that. They directed that as well. Yeah. So also, like, remember the mumble gore movement we've mentioned a few times on the oh, podcast? Yeah. It's been a minute since we've talked about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a bunch of dudes from that scene like, like in, jo- in the mix here. Joe Swanberg? Joe Swanberg directs one and stars in one. Adam Wingard directs one. Ty West, Simon Barrett. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of familiar names who've, like, carried horror in the 2010s. Yeah, very much a, a late aughts, early 2010s horror vibe here. Right. Um, by the way, in my notes, it says there's a seventh VHS title coming 2024. So oh. we'll see if that comes to fruition or not. Exciting. Yeah, I haven't uh, really kept up. I think I saw maybe nine, one of the 90 ones. Can't remember if it was like 94 or 99. But how many of them have you seen? Uh, did you see the one with Ratma? Yeah. Was that, that 99? That was 94. Oh, 94. Oh, okay. Yeah. That yeah. was a fun one. Yeah, that was a fun one. I've seen, I think I've only seen three of them. The first two. movies and then yeah i saw vhs 94 cool yeah i'm pretty sure i've seen the second one too so i might be there with you but uh yeah the the, these later ones that like are specific to like a certain year i I assume like they're like they they feel like they have more retro feel or something which i guess you have to if you're like vhs right you gotta it's gotta like somehow play into like the tape elements right it's kind of inherently retro yeah um and for our younger listeners. <laughs> <laughs> you can explain what a VHS is. <laughs> VHS stands for Video Home System, and it was a standard for video recording invented in 1976. Whoa. And it took off in the 80s with viewers being able to watch movies at home that could previously only be seen in theaters or on television. And it, of course, faded away with the onset of DVDs in the late 90s and early 2000s. But apparently it's making a comeback and. Many of you kids are probably collecting it these days, paying yeah. hundreds of dollars for each one. <laughs> Rare VHS collections. Uh, I wonder, as like a home, uh, a vehicle for like watching movies at home, VHS probably had a longer shelf life than DVDs. Uh, if like, I'd, I'd give DVDs maybe like 10, 20 years. Yeah, I mean, people are still buying DVDs for sure, but mm. yeah, they like, I think VHS was the optimum way to watch something like there wasn't a better platform right for longer than dvds were the best platform. yeah right right yeah. yeah that's what i assume but yeah i forgot people still i guess you just bought some dvds didn't you yeah i just bought the <laughs> i saw a dvd set where'd you find them like in a box at walmart or something like one of those bins <laughs> I, I was amazon or something like that oh, okay yeah i don't even know where to go but where to like buy a dvd from these days yeah, I think Best Buy just said they would stop selling physical media in general, like oh, physical really? movies. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I, I love like the the comeback of the vinyls, the uh, the cassette, the tape, audio cassettes, and uh, yeah, if VHS is going to come back, that's going to be a lot of fun. Are audio cassettes making a comeback? I see like a lot of local bands uh, putting out tapes now instead of CDs. Uh, I don't know, like where people, and, and yeah, I think cassette players sales were up like a few years ago. Like they hit like a peak since like whenever those went away. So there was like some momentum building for people going back to listen to uh, to tapes and like get that hissing sound that they like. But uh, yeah, I, I want to know where to start. Like where, where do you go to buy them or like yeah, how do you listen to them? 
I don't really understand. I understand going back to records because it's got a whole process involved. It's like brewing tea or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. I get it's it. A, yeah. But tapes, I don't understand quite so much, especially audio tapes. Like, that's just plain inferior to me. I think so, yeah. Sound quality-wise, like, you're not getting much more. They, you're getting, like, a, some... I There's some, like, a... Something unique about the 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 way it plays, right? Uh, like the hiss you get from it, that maybe people like feels very vintage, or I, I don't know if it crackles. It doesn't crackle the same way as like a vinyl, I guess. But I, I don't know. Maybe there's some element of it that people are into. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's inferior sound to both records and CDs. Yeah, and it's inconvenient, and you can't <laughs> like. <laughs> it, yeah. it doesn't win on anything. Yeah, it doesn't win on any front in my mind. But yeah. No disrespect to all you audio tape collectors out there. Yeah, yeah, there's something to it. Um, this is produced by Bloody Disgusting um, and and Brad Miska, who is the founder of Bloody Disgusting, which is a horror website turned multimedia company. Um, he kind of came up with the concept, the anthology concept. He didn't. He's listed as a writer, but I don't think he really wrote any of the stories. He's just like, I got this idea. And the, all these directors came in and and made these shorts. His idea, yeah, I, I read that. I didn't understand it. His idea was like, let's do an anthology because you have histories like there's been anthologies. Like, what what was the idea here? <laughs> <laughs> was it the found footage aspect? Bear or? with me, fellas. Yeah, it's going this to be a collection of short movies. <laughs> yeah, together okay. in one movie, in one film, <laughs> omnibus. Uh, yeah, maybe it was the found footage. Uh, anthology concept that he okay. came up with. I don't know. Maybe he had some loose idea of what the the structure of the framing narrative would be, or something like that. Got it. Yeah, because like yeah, creep show. Uh, what else? Like was it was it like Black Sabbath back in the day that that you and I watched? Yeah, that yeah, that was an, an early one. Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Was uh, Trick or Treat was I think before this one too, right? Yeah, Trick or Treat was before this. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So anthologies were a thing. It, it, it was just like this guy maybe bringing in like the found footage side of it. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Um, let's see. What else is there to say here? It didn't really have a, much of a theatrical re- release. It was a budget of 242000 and it had a limited release, which pulled in a box office of $1.9 million, But... The goal here was really to release on demand, and this was kind of fairly recent into the on demand world, where people were just releasing movies on demand, and people knew, hey, I can go find a movie on demand, and it just became a regular part of the way people found and consumed movies around this time. Yeah, where would you go in 2012 to find like a film on demand? Um, Netflix or something? I guess, yeah, that would have been around. Yeah, I mean, Netflix, I wouldn't really consider Netflix on demand. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it is really, but I think of that more as streaming. Yep. But like, you could go rent this. And I, you know, I can't remember all the avenues that would allow you to rent movies back in the day. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think Apple was in on the mix. Like, you could do it from iTunes. Oh, okay, okay. It wasn't Apple, it was iTunes. Got it. I mean... You know, they just call it like Apple TV now, but right. back then I think it was iTunes. And there was probably one or two other players that may or may not exist anymore. 
Got it. Yeah, I, I remember uh, one of our friends in Chicago had downloaded it from somewhere and, and played it. Where, where, where did you see this the first time? I, I want to believe I saw either the first one or second one with you. Oh, yeah. Was it at Elliot's house or place? It may have been. Okay. Yeah, that, that might have been. Yeah, that, that's awesome. In 2012 yeah. or 2013 or something. Yeah, I believe so. I, yeah. I feel like maybe we even watched the second one at your house. Oh, cool. Cool. It um, has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 56% of critics who gave it a positive review and only 41% of viewers. To me, this is considered kind of a classic of found footage and of anthologies and just modern horror. So I was pretty surprised to see those scores. How about you? Yeah, me too. I thought this had like way more acclaim than uh, what, what it's gotten. I'm, I'm really, I'm kind of shocked there because yeah, th- this does seem like a cult classic at this point or like a very uh, foundational film for the genre. I agree. I agree. But maybe not to everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could see some people being maybe turned off by, uh, well, yeah, I, yeah that's the thing when you go to anthologies, and I think we talked about this probably in another one too, but like the way you judge an anthology is like so different than any other film in terms of what you're looking for or like what you're rating it against. People can be harsh on anthologies in my mind. I yeah. feel like I'm forgiving and easy on anthologies, but other people can be pretty hard on them. Yeah, I'm surprised that you're so easy on them because I feel like you're always about like character development or like story arc and all, all that stuff. And here it's like, yeah, it's such short clips that uh, you think would like break that formula. But if you, I guess if you go in like saying those rules are off the table and you just kind of know what to expect. Yeah, I feel like we've had this exact discussion in every one of our anthology episodes <laughs> where you say I'm into character development and yeah. I say it doesn't matter for these. Yeah. But yeah, for me, it doesn't matter. Like a, in a horror short... It's too hard to to put character development in there. The the appeal of a short is a cool premise and effective scares to me. Mm. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I, I feel like you got to be consistent across like the the length of something or like the fact that there are other stories within like the same media uh, shouldn't like change how that media is being perceived potentially. Like I feel like you still want these things to kind of like stand alone. Uh, and like stand on their own, right? And, and and deliver on like a lot of the aspects to look for in, in a in a story. I mean, I'm certainly not going to be mad about character development in a short film, but I just think it's so short. Some some of the traditional methods of character development aren't even available to you mm. without making a really clunky, awkward story. Sure, yeah, and that <laughs> like to for- have an entire character arc in. 10 minutes would feel very artificial. It would. It would, yeah. That'd be pretty rushed. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting balance, I, I, which I think like some of these like do a really good job of like painting who the character is. So yeah, maybe it's not necessarily a journey, but it, you can still like, kind of get someone embedded into like the character, even if it is like only a 10 or 15 minute uh, short, potentially. Yeah, you get a feel for somebody through yeah. their, their words and their actions. And I th- I think one short specifically here does a better job of that than the others, um, mm-hmm. and we can talk about that after we we get into the meat of things and review everything. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, any oh. other background? Yeah, I, I don't think. Did you hit the box office number? I, I know you mentioned the budget, but uh, it was a pretty big financial success, wasn't it? Yeah, one point nine million at the box office. Which yeah, is, I, I kind of glossed over it. I was like, oh, limited release, but you know. That's a lot for how low the budget was. So yeah. it made its money back right then and there. Yeah. Um, and nice then, to, yeah. Yeah. It's always cool to see these like found footage films that are like so low budget, but then yeah, way, way outperform 
at the box office. Yeah, for sure. So this was, uh, by all means, a success. And it felt like a success at the time. I wonder if you could take a snapshot of the reviews in the like one to three years following the release of this film, if they would be more positive. Mm, yeah. There are other aspects of this movie. I didn't look at any of the user reviews. There are other aspects of this movie that do not age well if you're watching it today, which oh. we'll <laughs> discuss as we go through. Yeah. Uh, it's a very misogynistic movie. Something that did not really stand out to me upon first watch 10 Dude, years ago. I know, ago, right? This time it was just like, <laughs> wow. Like it yeah. stuck out like a sore thumb because yeah. each <laughs> each short, I, I think we can go ahead and talk about it without really film or uh, spoiling anything, but almost every segment has a scene where a guy tries to film a woman naked or in a sexual situation against her will. Right. And it is mind-blowing that the creative forces who were pretty much different behind each segment would all come to the same conclusion that this is what I'd like to do with my found footage story. And I mean the stories aren't built around... Well, some of them are. Yeah. Some of them are built around that plot point, but some of them just have a passing moment where a dude's trying to do something like that. Something creepy. (laughs) And it's just like a bit depressing. And I... I, I intend to throw no shade at the filmmakers who've all gone on to be very successful uh, directors and writers and seemingly have everyone who works with them has very good things to say about them. But it was a little a little concerning. It really was. But uh, I think I disagree. In the, like, I, I don't know. I don't think it was an accident. I actually think yeah, you've got all these films together, like four or five here. I think that might be like a unifying theme of these stories and maybe like they're purposefully uh, hitting on that to like get a discussion going or like to play on like gender roles or uh, see how like uh, tables can turn. So I, yeah, I I totally didn't pick up on that when we watched this back in like 2012, 13, but now I'm wondering if that was just like a theme that like we, uh, we we just kind of like snoozed on and and was purposeful. I do wonder if, yeah, it was intended, but I don't know. Some of it felt like just dated. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what to think. It's very possible that it was intended and intended to be a theme and a a bit of a comeuppance for, you know, you could view it as a morality play because Mm -hmm. usually the guys who are doing this end up having really bad things happen to them. But it didn't feel as quite as intentional (laughs) as I would think if that was the case. But yeah. It is so fascinating. Like this, we didn't pick up on that at all when the first time we saw this, and it makes me think about like what horror was back in twenty twelve, thirteen. If this just like wasn't that surprising, or to see like those kind of gender dynamics play out, just like wasn't uh, as called out back then as it is now. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, I think you go back and call this movie like Gaslight uh, VHS or something, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and yeah. I, I, I would believe that through line was intentional if this movie was made today but mm, yeah back then I, I i don't buy it so easily sure yeah i think you're right yeah who knows yeah uh anything else before we hit the ohio connection um the one other thing i had there's an actress in one of these films named uh sophie to call and yeah yeah she's in the honeymoon she also went on to then direct uh the black christmas remake which i, I was always surprised to see that Indeed, yeah. I was going to mention that once we got to that. The second second honeymoon is the name of that one. Right, yeah. And uh, yeah, and, and I think we both kind of liked uh, that, that remake. So it's cool that you went from here to become a director. Indeed, indeed. Sophia to call. Oh yeah, Sophia to call. Right. Anything else? Nothing else. You got it. Oh, how connection for us? 
I do, as always. Our friend Alex connects every movie we watch to our home state of Ohio for us. Alex owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio, so if you're in the area, stop by. Great food and drinks. And Alex says, VHS is a found footage horror anthology film and the first installment in the VHS franchise created by Brad Miska and Bloody Disgusting. It features a series of found footage shorts. Shorts. Among the shorts is Tuesday the 17th, directed by Glenn McQuaid, about a group of 20-somethings on an annual lake trip in a nearby forest. It stars American actor Jason Yakinen in the role of Spider. Yakinen has mostly small-time acting credits such as horror musical parody Poultry Geist, Night at the Chicken Dead, a cameo on an episode of Blue Bloods, and the indie film Friends, parentheses, with benefits, not to be confused with 2011's Friends with Benefits starring Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis. So they had those confused. Yeah. Jason is from Brunswick, Ohio. Oh, cool. Hey, that's pretty close uh, to Cleveland. That's nice. Yeah, there we go. Thanks, cool. Alex. Yeah, great connection. Hey, actually, I, I did have one more question for you. Uh, do you think anthologies will ever be successful in the theater again, or are they, as a format, like only made now for like on-demand streaming uh, platforms? Boy, that's a good question. I, I I do think there will probably be one in the theater again, but it's such a niche thing. Like, I don't know that the casual moviegoer is willing to go sit down for an anthology without being like, what the hell happened? Wes Anderson <laughs> had an anthology. And, and oh, yeah, the French. No, wait a minute. French. Did he release that in theaters? Yeah, the French Connection. Um, The French Dispatch, I believe oh, dispatch. it was called. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that was in theaters. Okay. Yeah, I, I forgot. Right. Yeah, that was an anthology. Um, yeah, that's a good point. He's niching as his own right. People will go see whatever he does. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I feel like the last horror thing that was an anthology was that scary movies to tell in the dark, which I don't know, felt like a disaster. So I don't, and I don't know. And the film wasn't an, an anthology, even though the books were. Oh, you don't think the film? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yep. Uh, well, then, like, Mortuary Collection is, like, the most recent one I can think of. And that was yeah. in, in theaters, was it? That was, I think, probably just on streaming. Yeah, it was just streaming. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't think I would ever go to the theater to watch an anthology. Uh, I'm not sure. Like for a horror film, I guess. If Trick or Treat Two ever happens, it will be in theaters. I bet. Okay. You think people would go out for it? I think so. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but I do think it's probably pretty rare that a horror anthology appears in a theater. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Okay. Uh, all right, uh, you ready to get into the uh, bulk of it here and, and review everything and spoil things by walking through the plot? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's do that. But uh, before we do that, I got a quick gig. I'm going to go try to do this thing to earn some extra cash, and I'll be right back. You do what you got to do, man. All right, I'll be right back. All right. Hey, man, it's me. Uh, hey. I'm back. I'm here. How'd it go? You make some dough? I did make some dough, but things were a little weird. It was kind of unknown who was hiring me to do this, and I went there to find out which house they wanted me to break into, and it was my own. <laughs> um, <laughs> what did they want you to break into your house for? Uh, they wanted me to destroy a video of my wife doing an interpretive dance to my heart will go on as a preteen. <laughs> and I realized it was actually my wife who she was hiring me you. to do it. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's a nice roundabout way to get something done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is maybe the only VHS that exists in our house. Oh, no way. <laughs> Damn, that's worth breaking into. Uh, <laughs> we do have a VHS player as well. Really? Oh my god, that's awesome. What do you What do you do? Yeah. Is it like just unplugged sitting somewhere? It is unplugged sitting underneath our bed. Wow. And you've got a DVD player. Uh, yeah, and the DVD player actually, the, no, this whole thing, they're in the same unit and has oh. been recently been moved to the basement TV so that I could watch that six. DVD sauce. Oh, it's a VCR DVD combo. It's a VCR DVD combo. Nice, nice. Uh, you hit, wa- you go. You can go from Saw Four to My Heart Will Go On just like that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh, we used to have one of those TVs that had both the VCR and DVD player at the bottom. Uh, you ever oh, see those? It's like yeah, a one body yeah, like thing built into the TV. Yeah, yeah. Man, things were bulky back then. Things were bulky back then. Yeah. Yeah. So glad we're beyond that. Uh, okay, our film begins with uh, various footage of a group of delinquent 20-something dudes wreaking havoc and doing bad shit. One of them tries to film a sexual encounter by hiding a camera in his bedroom. They are smashing windows out of a presumably abandoned house. They run up to a girl in public and lift up her shirt, capturing it all on camera. And this is, you know, <laughs> the beginning of, oh, wow, this is a misogynistic movie. <laughs> um, it, these are painted to be unlikable characters though so yeah yeah it's revealed in a discussion among this group that they are getting paid by a reality website to get footage of this kind of stuff but one of them says he has a bigger job that will pay better and it involves breaking into someone's house and retrieving a vhs tape upon entering the house they find a man dead in his chair in front of multiple tv sets the bulk of the guys leave to explore the house but they leave one guy behind to watch the tapes alone in a room with this dead body. It seemed like a plot hole here, but maybe I just wasn't understanding something. They don't know anything about the tape that they're supposed to retrieve, so why do they need to watch any of them? I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, the, the, the setup is really weird, because what were the instructions? Like, you'll know the tape when you see it or something? It sounded like it. Yeah, so, the, yeah, no no context, and then, yeah, I don't know why one guy's, like, left there with the dead body to, like, watch the tapes. Like, what's, what's he looking for in right. these tapes? Uh, yeah, so I wasn't too clear about that. And they even mentioned at one point, like, maybe we should just take all the tapes and leave. And that's a great yeah, idea. Yeah, that's 100% what you should do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the idea of, like, leaving one person, like, watch movies, and, it, yeah, they, they keep kind of rotating that throughout the film. I That's one uh, weakness on, on the plot where, like, I don't understand why one person has to be, like, watching these movies. Right, right. And then I kind of chide him. It's like, oh, don't be a pussy. And it's like, <laughs> no one's going to be w- willing to sit alone in an abandoned house with a dead body. Yeah. And just and watch, watch mysterious VHS tapes. Yeah. Yeah. In a creepy really ass house. Exactly. Exactly. Did you uh, feel like the assault were getting like kid over the head with like how shitty and like how, how uh, much assault was going on here? Yeah. And it's kind of like abrasive music is playing. It's abrasive cuts the footage is grainy it's a bit of an assault on the the senses um yeah so it's not very likable and it kind of transitions into a similarly unlikable group of guys with the first segment so there's definitely a moment where i wrote down like i don't know that i'm enjoying any of this it's not it's just annoying oh yeah yeah it's a it's a it's a segment of people that, like, I think us now at this age probably hate. I wonder if when we watched this, like, 10, 12 years ago, if, like, this seemed more, like, we were more, like, uh, like willing to look past that. 
yeah, type of behavior. Like, yeah, like we but, were we were going around watching VHS tapes in the same room as dead bodies yeah. for fun on a Saturday <laughs> night. Yeah, I mean, uh, did you ever have that phase in like high school where you went around with like a video camera and recorded pranks and stuff? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it's something. To yeah, like I mean, I I've done some bad shit, uh, like hooligan type shit too. I mean, never to the never assaulting somebody or trying to sneak video of someone who didn't know they were being filmed. But you know, baseball bats to mailbox type shit. I'm not proud of it, but yeah, you're. I think it's not unusual for men to go through, <laughs> and I hope it becomes less and less usual as we're all kind of aware. Yeah. That this is a phase you will go through. Don't act on these urges. <laughs> but the like, the teenage to early twenty something years can be a pretty testosterone fueled shit show. Right, right. It can be, yeah. And things things get out of hand pretty quick. But yeah, these guys are pretty extreme in what they're doing. Yes, um, this is a whole a whole new level of shitheadedness. Yeah, did it remind you at all of? Uh, you ever see like a Clockwork Orange or read that book? Yeah, sure. These, these, this group kind of remind me of like, yeah, this like doing pretty messed up things uh, and like acting like it's not things so pretty like desensitized to violence. Yeah. Much less fashionable though. Oh yeah. Way less fashionable. Language is also not as interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So yeah, the guy pops in a tape and we are taken away from this frame narrative into the first standalone segment titled Amateur Night. Um by the way, this this whole wraparound story is titled Tape 56, and it's directed, directed by Adam Wingard and written by Wingard and Simon Barrett. Those are the creative forces behind Your Next, by the way. So we move on to Amateur Night, which is directed by David Bruckner and written by Bruckner and Nicholas Tokoski. And Amateur Night begins with yet another group of 20-something miscreant dudes who are going out for a night on the town. But before they do, they outfit one of their friends with a pair of glasses that house a tiny hidden camera in them. And their collective goal is to have this guy hook up with a girl and film the whole thing without her knowing. Again, just a scuzzy premise. And it's just like, oh, okay, we're going to keep going with this. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> I guess people are like this. Why do we, do, do they, we don't know why they're like in a hotel room, do we? Um, No. I don't. Okay. Maybe they they traveled to this place to party, or they just yeah don't want to bring these women home to their mom's houses. <laughs> With the glasses on and everything, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't spoil everything. John, you don't wear glasses. <laughs> Shut up, Mom. What you got there? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they go to a bar, and they meet some women, and the woman who takes a particular liking to our cameraman seems very unusual and seems to barely speak at all. They take these women back to a shitty motel room, and while one of the guys begins hooking up with one of the ladies in plain view of everyone in the room, she passes out, and he makes the choice to no longer pursue any sexual interactions with her, and instead to steal our cameraman's uh, weird, non-communicative lady friend from him. Our cameraman goes into the bathroom to wrap his head around the events that are unfolding around him, and his other buddy, like goes to try to get in on this action but barges into the bathroom covered in blood explaining that the woman bit him the two of them try to venture back out into the room only to find that the woman has torn open their friend's neck and seems to be feasting on his blood she even rips his penis and testicles off and tosses them aside do you think if someone with superhuman strength ripped someone's junk off that it would come off together in one piece Oh, no, there'd be, like, some things hanging off it, right? Like I some, would uh, think so. I mean, maybe yeah. if she had a hand, like, all of them in one handful, yeah, 
It's thing. possible, but that was just like a cock and balls intact yeah. as one unit. <laughs> as one unit, yeah. Maybe she's got some technique. She's obviously done this before. Right? Yeah, maybe there's like yeah. a jerk and twist, twist type yeah. movement. That <laughs> exactly. She looks over at it and is like, yes. <laughs> got it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that could be a satisfying four, feeling. <laughs> All right, anyway, our, uh, our cameraman escapes the motel room and tries to run down the steps to the ground level. But he trips and he endures a compound fracture in his wrist. And this gives the vampire woman time to catch up with him. She is slightly mutated and has a more monstrous appearance. But her desires with our cameraman seem to be only sexual and not murderous. And uh, she attempts to perform fellatio on him. But when she catches on that he is repulsed by her sexual advances, she begins weeping and he uses this moment to escape. He sprints out into the parking lot and approaches a group of bystanders asking for help. But before he can reach them, we see him get whisked up into the air high above the city. And as he glances up, he now realizes that the the woman has partially transformed into a giant bat or winged creature of some kind. And at this moment, his video glasses fall to the ground and the audience is left to wonder about his fate. Probably some sex stuff in his future. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and this is where, you know, that misogyny, um, like the morality play type thing where the theme is intentional could come into play because his intent was to exploit a woman for sexual purposes. And now that end up, that might be his fate. Totally. Yeah. Like, and that happened to his friends too. Like they were all like rowdy to, and like rounded up to go out and like, uh, take advantage of people and, uh, really, yeah, just to hook up, I guess. And then the tables got turned on them. Yeah, That's for sure. Pr- pr- pretty cool. I, I really think that that, that might be a theme cause I, I think that happens in a few of these acts. Yeah. You might be right. Um, I refer to her as a vampire when I was watching it, I thought of her as a vampire, but Uh, Anything written about this segment describes her as a succubus, which is essentially a demon that sexually preys on men uh, and desires their semen. Huh. That's weird. You never hear about that. I wonder why we don't see more movies about that. Yeah, I think there are a few. And uh, Incubus, by the way, is the male version of this. Oh, cool. And a rad-ass band. (laughs) Yeah, one of the best. (laughs) Uh, I actually really liked Incubus back in the day. Yeah, yeah. And some of their stuff holds up. He never wore a shirt. I don't know why. He never wore a shirt. Yeah, wouldn't have been that hard. He's a, you know, he had a appealing physique. I guess he can have that under a shirt too. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's fair. But that's why he's an incubus. He's trying to to tempt the ladies up there. Get that body time in. Um, body time. Some legends say that a succubus needs the semen of a dead man and brings it to male demons who use it to impregnate female demons and some legends say succubi are on the hunt for a permanent male mate so that's what any of that could be going on here and in the mythology lilith is a key succubus and the woman's name in this story is lily oh yeah right and they're also said to have bird-like claws which might explain the deformed feet oh right yeah, that was yeah. a cool touch. Hey, uh, it wasn't clear. She, I mean, it, it kind of looked like, it's kind of cool like how they like flash on her a little bit like she's in the background when they're at the bar. Uh, then they also make it out like she's with the other group of girls, but I don't know. I wasn't clear. Was she? Or was she just kind of like lingering there? I think she was just kind of like lingering around in the mix so that no one really knew 
what group she was with. Oh, yeah. She's like, I've done that at parties. Uh, yeah, yeah. Honestly, I feel like <laughs> I've either done that or had that happen to me where yeah. all of a sudden it's just like, wait, who are you? <laughs> yeah. Whose car are we in now? Just me. <laughs> it's just that guy. <laughs> I also have friends who are like renowned at that. Like, what happened to you last night? Oh, like, just I hung out with this other group I didn't know and stayed with yeah. them till four in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real gift. <laughs> Pulled just off one of their nuts and uh, testicles and <laughs> penis all in one jerk and yep. <laughs> came home. Yeah. Nice night out. Um, let's see. I said nuts and testicles and penis. <laughs> all three parts. <laughs> Still yeah. learning the holy what, how everything works down there. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I thought this was like such an amazing act to, to open the film with. What, what did you think? I think it's pretty awesome. I, it's a reminder of how found footage can be used to like enhance the scariness of something because you're both disoriented and have a first person view of everything. So you get the like firsthand experience, but you, I don't know, like the limited scope of the camera allows for things to just shock you more. It uh, yeah. lets them pop into view. You don't have the omniscient eye to give us knowledge of all the space and what threats might be there. Right. It's like tunnel vision. It really is. Yeah, yeah. You're very, very uh, focused on like where the main character is looking. And uh, yeah, all you hear like crazy noises or people screaming in the background. So it's it's cool. It's a cool exercise on, on imagination too. Cause you, yeah, you can, it's a little bit video game-esque too. It's like you're experiencing it yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I also love, I, I mean, I feel like a lot of found footage movies, they can be a little predictable. In this one, it's, it's like a short format, but it keeps like a kind of like amping itself up as it goes. Like just when you think, oh, cool, like she's killing people. Now she's like some kind of crazy uh, demon that knows how to rip off balls and, and, and penises. And now she's like flying and this guy's like going. So I, I just feel like they kept like one upping themselves like within like the short film. It was, it was kind of cool. Agreed. Agreed. And you forgot testicles. Oh, yeah. And the testicles in there, too. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I think, yeah, it can be predictable, found footage in general. Uh, even though it's not really a genre, it's like a convention, and there can be any genre within the convention, but it still sent, tends to lean certain ways with where it goes plot-wise and what you see. And this one, yeah, I mean, you know something's up with the girl, but for her the, to then like start ripping them all to shreds, and then I feel like it's a big change to pick him up and fly away. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's like, whoa, cool. Yeah, yeah didn't see that coming at all. That's what <laughs> It goes balls to the wall. Yeah, yeah, what a great uh, opener here. I was, I was a big fan. Yeah, uh, agreed. And and the guys, uh, I mean, at least two of them are, like, really hateable. I, did you feel like all three of them were just, like, the worst? Or did yeah, you think... they're pretty much all the worst. Yeah, yeah. The, the one guy's laugh, I think I think he was high or something, but he just, like, kept giggling the whole time, and it was, like, this really annoying laugh that he kept doing. And I think it was, like, pissing everyone else off, too. But, yeah, it's it, there's something, like, so real about, like, this group of people. Like, we, we all, like, know these people from college, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I feel like I've... Yeah, I guess I probably do know these people. Sure. <laughs> Not very yeah. well, but they were yeah. there. If you want some names, I'll, I'll throw them your way. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it, it seemed like a, it, it wasn't a stretch like how much of douchebags these guys were, I guess. It, was, it felt really realistic. Yeah, yeah. Douchebags are real. Yeah, right. Our next segment is titled Second Honeymoon, directed and written by Ty West and starring Joe Swanberg, Swanberg who directs a later segment in, in this film, and Sophia Sakal, who we mentioned earlier, directed 
and co-wrote 2019's Black Christmas remake. So in Second Honeymoon, we are introduced to Sam and Stephanie, a married couple on a road trip out west. And in one scene, Stephanie gets her fortune printed out by a mechanical fortune teller machine, and it predicts that she will have a happy reunion with a loved one. One night in their hotel, a woman comes to their door and asks if she can have a ride the next morning, which really creeps them both out. They're both unsettled, but they decide to go to bed and just hope for the best in the morning. That night, we get camera footage of Sam sleeping, which we assume is taken by Stephanie, but then the camera pans over and we see Stephanie also laying in bed, so we know the footage is being taken by a third party. Isn't that such like a great, like, oh shit moment? The first time I watched this, I remember that being like an oh shit moment. I knew that it was coming. I hadn't seen this in a long time. Yeah, I kind of forgot. And then when it happened, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, right, right. And then, yeah, yeah, it's it's like a great, great way to, like, sh- yeah, sh- reveal that. It's a cool oh shit moment. Yeah. Um, it makes your nuts and testicles <laughs> suck up inside you a little bit. At the same time. Yeah, all, yeah. all four of them. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so this, whoever's filming, takes out a switchblade and kind of, like, runs it along Stephanie's body, but ultimately doesn't do anything too menacing aside from putting Sam's toothbrush in a toilet. (laughs) And when they do this, we get a brief glimpse of them in the mirror, revealing a woman in a porcelain mask. Yeah, so there's that mind blow on first watch, like, oh, this is somebody else. But do you think to go from the threat of a switchblade to putting someone's toothbrush in the toilet kind of takes something out of it? I don't. I don't think so, man. I, I think it's kind of like a, it's like really a shitty thing to do, and like kind of funny that like you're in the stream and could kill someone, but instead you're gonna be like kind of petty and just like fuck with them and take their cash and and uh, do this too. So there's like a really realistic element of it that made it even more creepier for me. What, what about you? Um, I yeah, I think it was fine. I, I didn't think too much about it, but as I was writing the plot, I was like, oh, that's a little silly. I wonder what Ashwin thought of that. <laughs> But yeah, I yeah. think it works. I think it's, you know, it paints more of a, in a way, it's a different kind of medicine because it's like just somebody trying to fuck with them. Yeah, right. I, I, yeah, I feel like that's more like real, uh, like than like some kind of like demon or like some supernatural entity or something or like straight jumping to like a murderer. I, I think it's a cool like kind of step up there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I, forgive me, I'm going to go on a quick tangent. I don't know if I've ever shared this little story on the podcast, but toothbrushes and toilets reminded me of it at, at one point um, me and alex ohio connection alex were with some friends like all staying together at a, at a condo and one of our buddies came out he had just gotten out of the shower he was like wrapped in a towel and he was asking if any of us had seen his toothbrush and we're like no i sorry man i haven't seen it and he goes huh, that's weird and he turns around and his towel is open and his toothbrush is sticking out of his butt <laughs> Wait, what do you mean out of his butt? Like, where was the other end? Like, in he, the... I mean, he had it like squeezed in between his <laughs> cheeks. cheeks. Like, it was all just a ruse so he could get a laugh out of us. <laughs> oh my God, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's so good, man. <laughs> I just, I, it reminded me of that. You ever see that Seinfeld where he's like, oh, is a oh nervous, yeah, <laughs> the toothbrush in the toilet. <laughs> but damn, dude, that that's a great prank. <laughs> yeah, it was a solid prank. Yeah, uh, and then I actually Alex wasn't in the room, and I retold it to him. But when I told it to him, I was like, "And the bristles were in." <laughs> and then he goes, "Bristles in," <laughs> and that was kind of a ongoing inside from. joke. After that, like anytime someone said something unbelievable from that point forward, we'd be like, "Bristles in." <laughs> 
Uh, that's great. <laughs> anyway, sorry for the anecdote. Um, Good story. So the next day, Sam notices that there is $100 missing from his wallet. Uh, and he's like suspicious of Stephanie a little bit about it. Doesn't know what to make of it. That night again, we get footage taken by this mysterious intruder. But this time the switchblade is used to gruesomely puncture Sam's throat. Like viciously, like first a deep jab and then just starts like ripping and like jaggedly tearing at his throat. Um, and then one of the final shots is of Stephanie kissing the masked woman uh, from before, who's now covered in blood, revealing that this is a lover of hers. And the two of them plan together to kill Sam. And the final moments are of Stephanie and her lover in the car, and Stephanie asks her if she has erased the footage. Thoughts on this one, buddy? I liked it. It, it like felt very unpredictable. I, I didn't know where it was going at all, and like the pacing is like pretty slow. And I, I think that first attack kind of uh, makes it feel like a, a lot slower. So then when the second attack happens and it's like so gruesome right away, it kind of blows your expectations because uh, you think like this thing's like slowly building up and you just don't see that coming. And then, yeah, great, great twist of like those two getting uh, together because I think you have that same theme of this guy being kind of like a – uh, like a dick like I mean he was like trying to get her to take off her clothes on camera when she wasn't interested he was like blaming her for like taking the money which like she clearly didn't so it was again like an unlikable male character that you saw kind of like get get uh, what's coming to him at the end so I, I had a lot of fun with this one what, what about you? I Yeah again the third segment where someone is trying to get a woman naked <laughs> on camera against her will Yeah, uh, I did really like it and yeah I think what you brought up I didn't think of it but it does really hit because you see okay they're in there they got the switchblade you feel like they're going to do something a little more menacing this time and then there will be a third time yeah three is the number it, dude have you ever heard of the rule of threes <laughs> yeah I think the whole world goes by that right it's, yeah well I guess it's like a I guess it's a celebrity death thing, but it's also like a rule of comedy. Like if you're making a list and like, like Tracy Jordan on 30 Rock will say like two serious things and then a joke. Oh. And they like have made an in joke about that before too. But so many things like the rhythm of comedy or action or whatever kind of goes in threes. Right. So I think as a viewer, you just automatically expect this will be another escalation and then the third time will be when it Exactly. So to just go right into the throat, yeah, it's shocking. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really takes you by surprise. That is, that's so funny that like we're conditioned to like expect a three, but uh, I wonder, do you think that's a, a, an outcome of like this being a shorter film? Like if this had been a full film, do you think it would have been three? And the only reason they did this on the second attack is because they were on limited time? Quite possibly, yeah. Again, you know, weird little advantages that a short film has. Yeah. And Ty West, Ty West is a, he's a smart dude. He knows how to make things scary. And, yeah. Uh, he does. So yeah, I wouldn't put it past him to just be like, people are really not going to expect it this time, but exactly. I'm going for it. Yeah, right, right. That was, that was great. That was a nice surprise. There's not necessarily likable characters in this one, but it's the first time where we aren't outright hating every character on screen i feel like if we don't necessarily like them they are relatable they're kind of two normal people talking to each other yeah i i, I liked uh stephanie yeah uh, yeah I, sure I, why not nothing yeah. not to like about her yeah and i liked uh, the person that killed sam uh i don't know <laughs> I, I thought there were like two out of three people that were like kind of likable in this one <laughs> all right fair so. 
Fair. The killer is pretty likable. Yeah, does some great things. But uh, you, you don't like Stephanie because she killed Sam? Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess she is a murderer. I liked her up until that point. <laughs> but didn't Sam kind of deserve it, though? You know, I, I don't believe in capital punishment. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. That's that's fair. He books like a shitty hotel. Uh, he like accuses <laughs> her of like stealing money. He's like trying to get her to take her clothes off him. That's like three strikes, man. Not a good guy. I guess I yeah. do believe in capital punishment in movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it works there. All right, so after this segment, um, we briefly touch base with our wraparound story and notice that the dead body in the chair behind the guy watching the tapes is now missing. So either someone has taken the dead body or it has gotten up and left the room of its own accord. The guy watching the tapes, though, is unaware of this, and he pops in another tape, which leads us to our next segment titled Tuesday the 17th, directed and written by Glenn McQuaid. This segment begins with a group of four friends in a car together heading out on a camping trip. Things get a little bit awkward when we learn that Wendy, who is basically the main character of this one, told her boyfriend it would just be the two of them on this trip and separately told her friend Samantha this was just going to be a girl's trip. So she's lying and we don't quite know why, but the group seems to brush it off rather quickly. When we get to the woods, we notice some weird things start to happen with the camera. Wendy points out a specific rocky area and mentions that the last time she was here, her friend fell and hurt herself, and the camera briefly cuts to an image of a bloodied and presumably dead young woman sitting in this very spot. We also see a shot of Wendy gazing ominously into a pool beneath a waterfall, and the camera briefly gives us a glitchy image of a dead man's gored body floating in the water. Things get even stranger when Wendy casually mentions to her friends that they're all going to fucking die up here. (laughs) She tells them a story of a killer who murdered a few people up here uh, last year, and she tells the story as if she was there, and uh, she mentions that she can't remember what the killer looked like, and they're all just kind of like, what? And then she starts laughing maniacally, so they assume she's joking. But things get serious when Samantha, after taking a shit in the woods while Spider, of course, tries to film her doing it, uh, gets a knife thrown at her, which goes right through her eye and through her entire head. Spider tries to run away, but the killer catches up to him and repeatedly stabs him through the forehead. Our girl Wendy picks up the camera and reveals in a discussion with her boyfriend Joey that she really was here last year and her friends were all murdered. She brought all them here because she needed bait. The police didn't believe her that the killer was everywhere and that he could be in two places at once. And here we see the killer on camera appearing as only a vague pixelated image that looks like a glitch in the camera. And that's what in the credits he's listed as the glitch. The killer slits Joey's throat as Wendy tries uh, to film him, like film the killer. And she says to herself frustratingly, like, why can't I film you? Because all we see is this glitchy thing. Uh, She tries to kill him and thinks she has bested him with all these traps that she has set up for him. But he, of course, comes back, smashes her to death with the camera and disembowels her. And the last shot is of Wendy's, Wendy's dead body twitching and slowly becoming a glitch herself. Which I didn't quite pick up on that. And that maybe, like, anyone who dies here becomes... Uh, like a glitchy killer interesting and that's how they could be more than one place at once ah okay okay that that glitchiness it wasn't clear to me like were they only glitchy on a camera or like outside of the camera what do they look like could you even see them 
I think you couldn't see them even off camera. Oh, okay, okay. But with the camera, you could catch them in glitches. Boy, you know what? That's a good question. I guess it's unclear. I'm not sure. Yeah. And an intriguing question. Yeah, yeah. This one, I, yeah, I, was, I was a little uh, confused about the rules uh, on it um, and the explanation. Um, but yeah, kind of a fun, like in the woods killer, like a Jason-esque kind of feel. What did you think? Yeah, it's kind of a fun riff on the, the Friday the 13th formula, which I presume is why it's called Tuesday, Tuesday the 17th. Um, I'm a little tired at this point of characters that are just a bunch of douchebags. Um, oh, that's wearing thin uh, on you. Yeah. <laughs> the acting wasn't great in this one, this one either, but yeah, I, I really liked the premise here. And, and again, all of these are just intense and scary. To me. Yeah, I thought the gore in this one was uh, like pretty over the top, like the eye coming out, uh, her yeah. like intestines being ripped out of her at the end. Uh, yeah, it was it was all pretty like well done from from a like a practical effect standpoint. Yeah, this is maybe the goriest and most vicious one so far. Although Amateur Night's pretty close. Yeah, yeah, with the nuts in the testicles. Although, yeah, the, actually, they've <laughs> all been pretty gory and vicious, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they've had some stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you. The acting in uh, dialogue felt a little bit weaker here, or maybe stood out more as like being weaker. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Mm-hmm. I think specifically Wendy, the whoever played Wendy, it just wasn't a great performance, and that was kind of the key role there. Right. So right. Yeah. Again, like this one, not quite as notable as as the others, but for, it definitely worked for me. Definitely worked, and I, I think it still had that theme of, like, basically the opening sequence is a guy zooming in on a girl in the backseat on, like, her body and, and like, her talking boobs, about... Like, yep. Yeah, so I, I feel like they're carrying this theme through of, like, really horny dudes who are about to, like, get lit up. Hey, exactly. Really, the only segment is the very last one that doesn't... <laughs> I know. That is <laughs> fairly free of all misogyny. Yeah, yeah. That's some hope for the male gender. In that <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, let's see. Now we transition briefly back to the frame story again, and the dead body is back in the chair, but our viewer is now gone. So, one of the other guys in the house takes his place and pops in another tape... And here we have our next our next segment titled The Sick Thing That Happened to Emily When She Was Younger, directed by Joe Swanberg and written by Simon Barrett. Joe Swanberg was the guy who got his neck punctured in the uh, second honeymoon segment. So the premise of this one is that a guy uh, who is away pursuing his doctorate's degree in medicine is maintaining a long-distance relationship with his girlfriend via regular video chats. <laughs> Presumably, he is recording all of these chats. Otherwise, it would not have uh, ended up on a VHS tape later, which means that while his girlfriend is flashing her boobs at him, she is unknowingly being filmed, just so we can check that box off this one. Yep. <laughs> um, so this girl, Emily, is telling her boyfriend, James, that she feels like she bruised her arm, but she's not sure how. She also tells him she's been hearing footsteps in her apartment, and she thinks it's haunted. So after James sees what appears to be a small person slam a door in her apartment, she researches to see if there are any little kids that died here, doesn't discover anything. And things escalate when Emily is convinced that there's something under her skin on her arm where that bruise is, and she digs around in there, creating a bloody open wound. And he tells her to stop, and he'll be there next week to take a look at it. He noticeably doesn't tell her to go see a doctor. Hmm. We learn Emily has done something like this before, leading us to believe that perhaps she has a history of mental illness. 
However, we keep seeing ghostly images around her apartment, and things culminate when she sees a room full of childlike apparitions with strange eyes that knock her unconscious. After this happens, James appears in the apartment immediately, like way too quickly for him to have been away at school, just talking to her on the computer. And he talks to the children in the room, making it clear to the viewer that he's in on whatever is going on here. He cuts Emily open. He, like, cuts an opening in her back and extracts a small fetus that appears to be part human and part alien and hands it over to the creatures. Uh, he mentions that the tracking device in her arm, he says something about the tracking device and that they're going to have to make this look like another accident and says he's worried she may not survive many more of these. So basically it all alludes to the fact that he has been doing this regularly in cahoots with these aliens <laughs> basically having Emily be an incubator for their fetuses. Yeah, you're right. Pretty wild. <laughs> That's wild, yeah. What a twist. I know. And then the next time we see her on screen, she uh, she has seen the doctor that James specifically referred her to, and she's now on medication for schizophrenia and bipolar disorder, and she thanks James for being with her through all of her mental health struggles. And after he hangs up with her, we see him begin a video chat with another girl who is also complaining about the weird bump on her arm, and it is clear that James and the aliens are running this scheme on multiple women. Does she take her shirt off, too? I think she might. Okay, yeah. Man, <laughs> I think that was uh, Brad Miska's uh, unique idea here. <laughs> it's an anthology. Guys, do but... whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but get this. <laughs> Every segment <laughs> is going to have topless women. <laughs> uh, yeah, so th this is pretty unexpected, right? Like an alien story in the, in the middle here? Yeah, I mean, everything that this movie is telling you is, or that this short is telling you is like ghosts, paranormal. Right. And yeah, or even if it is gaslighting, <laughs> you don't expect aliens. Yeah. So again, these consistently have really creative premises and shocking moments. They do. Yeah. I thought this one compared to the other ones had more like jump out scares with like the figures you wouldn't expect to be seeing around the room. Uh, I, thought, I thought the other ones that haven't had too much of that. And the third one kind of did. This uh, is the first one that feels like purely paranormal. Yeah. Because you're like you're in a, in a house. And yeah, like the, yeah. There's figures like running in and out of rooms. Yeah, kind of kind of cool. This was also the first one that had like some genuine emotion because Emily is really going through it, and she believes herself to be like crazy, even though she doesn't feel crazy. Right. And he's just gaslighting her, and it is a hundred percent working. So this is an example. This is the one I was thinking of when uh, there's not really like a whole lot of character development, but maybe a little bit. Like we we get to know Emily via her emotional struggles here. Sure. Yeah, yeah. She's like kind of, yeah, really uh, putting herself down at like the cost of like whatever this guy's doing here. Yeah. So like this is a, the the closest thing we've had to a true character in any of these shorts. Yeah. I don't know. Stephanie to me in, in the second one felt a little bit like uh, someone who like was uh, being taken advantage of in a relationship. Um so I, I felt that a little bit with her. But yeah, I think Emily really hits home with like, yeah, you really feel for her at the end here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is an early example of the subgenre known as screen life, similar to the 2020 film Host, where everything takes place on a computer screen. Oh, yeah. All this is, is via the computer screen. So right. um, 
And this is two years before Unfriended, which is probably the most well-known early example of a screen life film. Mm. Um, and in the same year, 2012, the Paranormal Activity 4 installment incorporated some elements of screen life into the narrative, but it wasn't entirely a screen life wow. film. So yeah, a, a little bit of paving the way here. There were, there were ones before this, but it's still, still an early example of an effective use of this. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I, I thought it was kind of like outdated how they were, uh, yeah. Screen timing or like, yeah, I get What would you call it back? You wouldn't call that no, just for like a video I, chat, right? Yeah. I, I don't even know if we called it FaceTime back then. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> Who knows what it was? Skype or yeah, something. Right. Right. Yeah. It's pretty old school. Um, back in the, fr- well, what did you think of this one? Uh, yeah, I, I thought again, like really, uh, interesting and like a cool twist. Uh, and like it, it kind of builds really nicely with like her just getting more and more paranoid about what's in here and like seeing these creatures around. So, uh, I thought it built up like the paranoia nice and had like great jump scenes. And then the twist at the end was pretty unexpected, uh, for my part. So I, I liked it a lot. What, what did you think? Same, same. They, they aren't disappointing with the, the shocks and the awes and yeah. Yeah. And the acting was better here, right, than the last This one? was good acting, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, let's see. So back in the frame story, the last guy who was viewing the VHS tapes is now gone, as is the corpse. And the third guy in the house discovers the decapitated corpse of one of his friends and sees that the dead guy who was in the house when they got there is now a zombie who kills him, the last remaining member of this group. And the camera catches a view of the last VHS tape playing by itself. Which leads us to the last segment titled 10-31-98, like a date, 10-31-98, Halloween. And this is directed and written by Radio Silence. So at that time, I think it was directed by Chad Vieja, Justin Martinez, Matt Bettinelli-Open, and Tyler Gillette, uh, all of whom but Justin Martinez, I believe, are creative forces behind the last two installments of the Scream franchise. So... This story involves four adult male friends on their way to a Halloween party. They seem like nice guys this time, but they arrive at the house and it doesn't seem like anyone is home. They deduce that perhaps they are the first ones there and they enter the house anyway, only to discover various paranormal happenings in the house. But they assume it's all part of like a haunted attraction or something. They're amused by it until they head into the attic and discover a group of men performing some sort of ritual on a woman who is tied up. Upon noticing our characters, these men tell them they shouldn't be here, and the woman starts screaming and begging them for help. And as the woman's captors are lifted into the air by a mysterious force, the guys help her get free of her ropes and carry her out of the house. But their escape is more difficult than expected as the paranormal forces of the house continue to grab at them, throw furniture, make windows and doors seemingly disappear. Luckily, they find a way out of the house through the basement, and they drive away with the girl laying across their laps in the back seat. But to their horror, she goes missing and appears standing ominously in front of their vehicle, which is now forcibly stopped with them locked inside. They try to escape through the car's locked doors to no avail, and then realize that they are on a train track and are soon killed in a collision as the train hits their car. So, apparently this girl was either a witch or possessed by a demon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and these people are, like, trying to do an exorcism or something? Yeah. It seemed that way. Yeah. At first I thought, oh, these these guys in the attic are up to no good, but, yeah, I think <laughs> I think it was an exorcism. Yeah, I think so, based on, like, what happens right after they take her. <laughs> yeah. 
I think this might have been my favorite one because it's like more fun and lighthearted. You feel like you can actually root for the characters because they didn't try to film anybody oh, yeah, naked. <laughs> um, and and they just, go back to save her. They oh, go right. back to save her, yeah. And it's yeah. just like spooky and filled with yeah. the trappings of supernatural horror. And it takes place on Halloween, so it's got the Halloween vibes to boot. Uh, it's just like classic haunted, haunted house stuff, like a ghost sitting in a chair. You turn back and she's gone. Right. That kind of stuff's just fun for me. It really is. Yeah, yeah, for for me too. So it's cool to see that. And like all the effects of like the hands coming out of the house and like the walls and stuff and the floor. Uh, it, it really like, I was, I was surprised to see so much of that in like the slow budget found footage type film. Like uh, the, the, the ending, like the, the panic that kicks in and as they're getting out of there. It's, it's a cool mix. Haunted house movie in the, in the, in the top and then like this, uh, yeah, really kind of crazy thing you got to escape at the end. Yeah, I thought the effects throughout this movie, whether the, they were like practical makeup effects or some VFX, mm-hmm. it was all done pretty well for how low the budget is. Yeah, did you feel that uh, with the first one? I feel like when they flash the vampire, or like when she's flying, I guess, not in the vampire, the, what you call it, a succubus? Succubus, yeah. Yeah. Uh, did, did, did that throw you off or did you feel like that was okay too? I thought that was good too, but it was pretty quick. So I, I you know, yeah. maybe it's shoddy and I didn't notice it, but yeah, yeah, they didn't linger on it. And and I think because because you, it's like found footage and you're seeing it like through his like cheap uh, like video glasses, I think you can assume some of it's going to be smudgy. I also just like even if the effects aren't great there, which to me I didn't notice anything. Props for even trying to do that on a low budget <laughs> short, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, props to, and the concept is so good too that it, it kind of like uh, wins out. But yeah, yeah, I agree. Effects throughout were really good, and uh, yeah, this was like a really nice closing one. I heard there's an alternative ending here where the guys do make it out of the car. Did you read about that? Yeah, and then they're all like amped up and they go back to the vibe like before, like as oh. if it was all a haunted attraction or something. But uh. I, yeah, I wouldn't have minded seeing that. Yeah, yeah. I thought this was like a, a pretty fitting ending uh, for, for for like the whole film. This I think so cool. too. I think so too. The, the whole film was a bit kind of nihilistic, so it, it would have felt weird to have all of them happily walk away. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Especially with this being like the last tape that plays by itself. Right, right. Yeah. It's got to yeah, be that- ominous. Yeah, it's got to be. Yep. Yeah, that, that, that was really cool. And and here, this was like the first group of guys that like, yeah, was was kind of like you could root on for or something. Then like you wanted to see them kind of live, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. So I think the place for uh, like the short film's advantage and like what it should try to do is be like, hey, I've got this really cool idea. It's a great premise. I think it could be used effectively for some great scares but there's no need to build it out build a whole story around it it's just like a specific situation Mm -hmm. and that is just exactly what these shorts all do they're really good ideas creative premises stuff you don't see all the time but it really doesn't need a full movie surrounding it even if i guess we got a you know we got siren which is a full movie around amateur night but Mm -hmm. All we needed were these shocking moments, and the film really delivered on that front, in my it opinion. It really did. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of crazy how different each of these shorts was. Like, uh, yeah. Like, yeah, you, like the, the scares like go from 
like demonic, supernatural, slasher, all over it. But yeah, you're right. It just kind of sticks to like, here's like an amazing short story or like a really interesting short story. They all have like a twist at the end that like you're not going to see coming or something. Uh, and, and yeah, they deliver on it really nicely. And what do you think of the pacing? Like, do you ever feel like it, was, it slowed down too much or anything? No, I don't. This is a long movie as well. I feel like it was like two hours and 12 minutes or something crazy like that. Yeah, it's a long one. I thought the pacing was great. I mean, it's long, but all of them keep moving. Um, Am- or, um, Second Honeymoon was probably the slowest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I can see that. worth it in the end, you know? Yeah, good payoff there. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it's, it's rare to get a movie that's got like four or five different twists in it. And like, you yeah. just keep wondering what's going on. Yes, there were a lot of like jaw-dropping moments, especially on first watch. Right, right. What would you think though of like the wraparound story? Like that—that's one where I was like, I thought I remembered it more fondly, but this time I was a little down on. How did you feel about it? The wraparound story is really weak. I, I did not like that very much at all. Um, actually, with VHS ninety four, which I watched a couple years ago. I really enjoyed that one as well, but again, the wraparound story sucked. Oh, yeah. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to say this one sucks, but it's not particularly scary. It's not compelling. Uh, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't really care for it. It serves its purpose, and that's it. Yeah, I think in most anthologies, right, like the, you're not really supposed to be focused on the that. It's just like the icing on the cake potentially at some point. Yeah. But it, right. Yeah, it, it's, it's not like a big uh, game changer or anything. Sure. Yeah, that's true. Um, do you, I feel like all these are like mean spirited and kind of distasteful, and like you know, there's that misogyny and stuff. Do you think that sleaziness adds it all to the allure of this film about these mysterious VHS tapes discovered in a rundown house? I I don't mean to say like, oh, like it's alluring to have people like do awful things to women, but. Uh, there is a scuzziness with yeah. certain movies. Like I'm thinking of like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, which has some truly despicable scenes in it, but it's like yeah. the scuzziness is part of the whole vibe of the movie and in a way like adds to the impact. I think so too. Would you say Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Similar sure. scuzziness? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that can really add like a, a layer to the to the film and put you in like the space where, I don't know, maybe it just, like, lends itself more to, like, scary, like, mean things happening. Yeah, yeah. Like, I almost deducted half a star and was on the fence just because, not because, which sounds like, which sounds like, (laughs) well, I'm, I'm, like, looping in the, lumping in the misogyny to the scuzziness. Like, I'm not trying to be, like, on a high horse or anything or soapbox, like, deducting because of this misogynistic bullshit, but... It starts to like really pile up. It's just like, oh my gosh! Like, did everyone on their own come up with the fact that someone should be filming someone naked against their will? <laughs> yeah. But I do feel like the the movie is mean, and I don't know if it adds to that. But I think to take away for it would not be authentic to the way I actually feel about the movie because. As much as I got annoyed by some of the characters and angered by like what was going on, it's all part of the experience in a weird way. It is, man. And I, I feel like not enough horror films are like mean. Uh, I, I mean, I hear the scuzzy is like a different aspect. I guess you could be mean 
without it. But uh, yeah, there's I, like almost like a physical scuzziness, which I think like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, though that movie is incredibly mean. Yeah, yeah. But this one right. feels a little more like mean spirited. Um, yeah, yeah, and the, like the. Yeah, the, like it's almost like these people like uh, have like lost their humanity and like are just doing like the the worst things ever. Uh, yeah, right. But I, you know, at the same time, it feels very realistic. So uh, I, I guess maybe it's like how you look at uh, people and like uh, are are they, are they good or bad kind of thing. Like uh, these people, like I, I feel like we've seen movies where like they'll go out of their way to make someone look uh, terrible or like to, to hate a character. These ones are like doing really shitty things throughout the whole film. But they still like. I think it is like that scuzziness that makes it feel like real. Uh, like gives it like a, a sense of like reality to it. Sure, and they're still like our characters. It's not like they're the bad guys. Yeah, exactly. Uh, at least it's not clear, right? That they are. I mean, yeah. they kind of are. I don't think you're meant to like anybody, but yeah, I like they're that who too. we're with. It's their perspective. Exactly, exactly. It's who we're with. They seem believable, and I think in a way, like, you want to see them, like, get murdered or killed in, like, some gory, brutal way. And so there's some, like, kind of satisfaction with, like, the the, the, the insanity that happens. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. But, yeah, that's a really uh, unique combo. Do you feel like uh, they all kind of bring that scuzziness, uh, like the other VHSs? Is that, like... I don't remember them well enough. I don't think the other ones are... Like, VHS 94 didn't strike me as mean like mm. this one. Yeah, yeah. Does any of that, you think, have to do with uh, the the analog style of filming? Or, like, the, the graphics or, like, the resolution? Yeah, for sure. It definitely gives a, like, a back room type under the... Uh, under the radar, like off the books type vibe to everything. Right. Like I should, nobody should be participating in any of this. I shouldn't be watching this. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of vibe. They're like those tapes. Uh, what are those tapes in Sinister that, that dude finds? Uh, what's that genre of tapes called? Snuff films. Snuff films. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, that's what all these are, right? Essentially. Yeah. And they do very much have that vibe. Right. Yeah. You're watching something that you're not supposed to be seeing and, uh, yeah, it's going to be dirty. Yeah. Sure. Um, do you, what oh, that, so, so yeah, do you think it was a purposeful thing of like a, a setup here, like, uh, a, a commenting on like constant, constant, like uh, horror trips around, uh, yeah, men being shitty towards women. And in this one, like it's a, it's a power play where like each one kind of ends with the woman kind of, yeah, besting the men. Do you, th- do you think that was, uh, the attempt or the unifying theme? Um, I don't think so. And I, I don't know that they, I, I could have taken more time to watch more of the interviews and stuff, but the impression I got was like, everyone kind of did their own thing. Yeah. So I don't know that they communicated enough to have a unifying theme. I think it was just, it just all kind of worked out that way. Huh. Um, just a coincidence that just a coincidence, yeah. <laughs> which, Yeah. It, all of them except one, right? Like all of them. Every uh, everything except the last one. Yeah. Uh, not the last one, the uh, the alien one, right? That's one where uh, I think that's the one where like the the guy survives at the end. The oh, the dies, b- right? being bested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. The yeah the 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 woman is not best. The woman essentially is bested in in that one. Like the yeah. guy ends gets, up victorious. Exactly, exactly. So that one like broke a little bit, but I thought all the other ones consistently it was guys trying to like feel like they they have the power, they could do what they want, and then that kind of like bring being their downfall at the end. 
Right, but the last one, I feel like the guys weren't really in the wrong in any of their actions. They didn't really deserve a comeuppance. I mean, they were trespassing. Yeah, low key, but they thought like maybe this was the house. <laughs> okay. I don't was that believable? Like this house is like a Yeah, big I mean it's not very believable, <laughs> but neither is sitting in a room with a dead body and watching tapes for no reason. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I didn't that last one I didn't know how much to like the guys. Like uh, I, I agree, like they did some honorable things and tried to do the right thing at the end. But it's also like dude, you should have gotten out of that house like uh, a long time ago. Yeah, right. Like stop like just wanting it. It made no sense that they were still in there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, All right, uh, let's see. Zero to five uh, unlabeled VHS tapes. (laughs) I I think I go with four and a half unlabeled uh, VHS tapes. I think, uh, yeah, this this is like such a, I think think it's an amazing film. You you got this blend of amazing uh, found found footage films that are like put together by some of the most like edgy directors that are around uh, today in the horror genre. It's all the stories are like pretty simple on their premise, but still like very unpredictable. And then the pacing is really tight and it keeps you like as the audience on edge and intrigued the whole time, not knowing where the scare is going to come from. And uh, I, I just love that it like messes with so many different genres of horror and it seems to execute on its mission pretty perfectly. Uh, but yeah, uh, knocking off a half for like some of the weaker acting and that frame story. But uh, what, what about you? Sure. Nice. Um, I gave it a four out of five unlabeled VHS tapes. I do think it's hindered by the onslaught of unlikable characters in nearly every one of its segments, but it succeeds due to creative premises and the effective use of the found footage technique to achieve shocking, intense, and scary moments, seemingly yeah. constantly. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a feat. Like a, it is. I, it's I, impressive. I yeah, I feel like usually when we watch an anthology, there's like one or two. Uh, I, I don't know. Like it's usually like three out of like the five that like we'll like or something. Yeah, and it's like super easy to find which one you think is the weak. Like we might disagree on the weak one, right. but we all might know like, oh, this is clearly my least favorite. And I think we feel that way about the wraparound story. Yeah, but I almost don't count those just because they're yeah. they're there to serve their little purpose. Right. Uh, right. But of the all the stories. Like, the last one is my favorite, but not by much. And I would have a hard time choosing one that is same my least favorite. I think same. I'd choose Second Honeymoon as my least, but even so, that one's incredible. Yeah, I know, I know. I, I, I couldn't pick one, man. It was, it was hard for me. Uh, but, yeah, they, they all are just, like, so different. It's almost like they're hard to compare to, like, one another because they scare yeah. in, like, such different ways. Right, right. Yeah, but it's it's, it's incredible. Cool. I'm glad that we both, I feel like we both thought we liked this movie and it had been a really long time and now we are confirming that we both do really like this movie. I almost dropped it down to three and a half because of all the like <laughs> annoying misogynistic bros, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I won't go so far as to say that that's all part of what makes the movie what it is, but I think there's enough of that that I can't deduct a half a star for it. Sure. There is like, you get hit by all, it, it is interesting that like each of the stories, like we talk about how different they are, but like the segment of characters or like the population they're hitting, it's like that same kind of like terrible yes. person. Right. Uh, exactly. Which, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's so crazy that they all kind of came up with the same group of like main characters. Which like mumble gore itself. I know we kind of tried to define that subgenre in the past. And I think what we came up with was naturalistic acting and dialogue, which this movie has, emphasis on dialogue over plot, which this movie, no, I don't think so, except for Second Honeymoon, maybe. Right. 
and the focus on the personal relationships of people in their 20s and 30s. This didn't oh. focus on relationships, but it's definitely like dudes in their 20s. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where it a little bit comes into play. Got it, yeah. Overlap and I imagine this is around the age those dudes were at at the time. Yeah, all in their like 20s, mid-20s probably. I would guess, yeah. It yeah. yeah. makes sense. Yeah, I, I hear you on like a, a lot of unlikable characters and like what that does to a film. I the only reason I think that works is because a lot of them like I think all the unlikable characters get killed. So sure, it's like yeah. some satisfaction to it. it. It's almost like they know they're like purposely being unlikable. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm glad this one holds up and the Rotten Tomatoes score could surprise me. So yeah, I think this is like a classic found footage and one of the, like the top anthologies out there. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, anything else? That's all I got. All right, everybody. This has been our discussion on VHS. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. If so, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And uh, I'm a little sick, so sorry my voice was a little bit weird for this one. If you want to get in touch with us without hearing my voice, you can go to horrormovieclub.com and click on the social links drop down. There are links to Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, where we post what movie we're going to discuss next week. And there's a link to our Discord server where you can pop on and chat with other horror movie lovers and listeners to the show. There's also a big orange button on horrormovieclub.com to subscribe to our Patreon. You can support us for a dollar a month and gain access to bonus content along the way. And until next time, be careful who and what you film because... You may just have your genitals torn from your body and tossed aside onto a dirty motel room floor. Oh, boy. And I'm the talking your penis, your nuts, the test, yeah, <laughs> the nards, the Oh, my God, all of that. The jelly beans. Oh, man, it's all coming out. <laughs> yeah. Nice.